We are in Yivamos Ayin Ches Amir Aleph 78a, and we are in the middle of a discussion of the prohibition for a Mitzri or Edomi, somebody from, Mitz- from Mitzrayim, from Egypt, or from Edom, uh, to marry into the Kahal Hashem, to the congregation of Hashem, for the first three generations, meaning really for the first two generations, and then once you hit the third generation, so then it becomes permissible. And we discussed what, how do you exactly determine what is first generation versus second generation? Do we go based on the father or based on the mother? And we first presented the first version of Rabbi Yochanan, who says that we go based on the father. So now comes the Gemara and says that, no, there's another version of Rabbi Yochanan that says we go based on the mother. And the Gemara explains, He also of Dimiyam Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, Mitri sheni shenasa mitri shishona, sheni hava. If you have the father is a second generation Egyptian and the mother is a first generation Egyptian, so then the child, says Rabbi Yochanan in this version, goes based on the mother. The child now is a second generation Egyptian. Alma basar We go based on the mother. The mother was first generation. The child now is second generation. And we do not go based on the father. That is the position of Rabbi Yochanan here. Now, the Gemara never explained, whether it's the first version or the second version, what is the reasoning behind going based on the father or going based on the mother. We know that with regards to other areas of law, determining whether a person is Jewish, it goes based on the mother, determining which shave, which tribe they're from, it goes based on the father. And those are based, based on various psukim, various verses in the Torah. Or drush is a really way of deriving these laws from the from the psukim, from the verses. Over here, the Gemara doesn't discuss it. And so some of the commentators point out, and it will also see from the Gemara, that this is really not about determining status. Status is about what tribe you're from, what nation you're from, your nationality, whether you're Jewish. That is a separate question in terms of status. Here, everybody agrees that the child is comes from an Egyptian family. They converted, but they come from an Egyptian family. The question is, what door, what generation? Are they first generation, second generation, third generation? That is really the question here. Once the question is about which generation, so then there's an argument to say that it's based on the father because we say that the, uh, the father is really, the child is really like, a, the, the Talmud even uses a term that it's like the leg of the father. So there's potentially, it should be based off of the father. Or it could be based on the mother. Why the mother? Because the mother, as we'll see in the Gemara, was originally one unit with this child. What do you mean? We'll see that the Gemara will be discussing momentarily a dispute. Do we say Uber Yerachimo or do we not say Uber Yerachimo? This is something that we've had in the past which comes up often in the Gemara. The discussion, the dispute. A fetus is viewed as a limb of the mother while it's in the mother, in utero. Do we say that it's a, viewed as a limb of the mother, part of the mother? Or do we say that, no, it's a separate entity. It's really a separate entity separate from the mother. And if it's a limb of the mother, so then there's a reason to say, you know, if it's a limb of the mother, we should count generations based on the mother. Obviously, the child ends up being its own entity uh, by, at birth. But it really stems from the mother, so therefore the generations should be based on the mother. And that's what the assumption of the Gemara is, at least as its assumption, that the logic behind this second version of Rabbi Yochanan to say that we go based on the mother is based off this idea that uber yarachimo, that the fetus at some point in time, when it was a fetus, was a limb of the mother. And so therefore we should go based on the mother. The Gemara will ultimately reject this reasoning. 
But that's the assumption to the reasoning. And Abaye now is going to ask, what are you talking about? We don't hold over Yerachimov. We hold over Lavi Yerachimov, that the fetus is not viewed as a limb of the mother. So therefore, in, within this assumption, we question the entire assumption. So Amalei Abaye. Abaye says, what are you talking about? The same Rabbi Yochanan says elsewhere with regards to a totally different area of law. But the underlying principle is the same. Whether or not we hold Uber Yerach Imo or not will be the same. But with regards to a totally different area of law, Rabbi Yochanan says, and a little bit of background, when a person commits a sin in the days of the base of Migdash, in the days of the temple, you have to bring a, a sin offering, which is referred to as a korban chatas, a sin offering. Uh, there are five different scenarios where this sin offering cannot be brought, and instead it has to uh, the sin offering, the animal has to die. One of those examples is that if you have a sin offering and the sin offering, the cow, it becomes pregnant and gives birth, so then that uh, child from that from that birth uh, is has to be can't be used. It can't be used and has to be killed. It cannot be used. If it's the child of uh, of that of that cow, um, however, if a person in a different scenario they assign two different animals to be their sin offering for that particular sin, so then it does work. It does work. We say that you could use either one. Either one could be used. Um, that is the simple understanding of the background. And so Rabbi Yochanan says as follows: Let's say you do the following. Let's say you designated a cow as the sin offering. However, it was she was pregnant. She was pregnant at the time that you designated her as the sin offering. And she gives birth. You could use either one, either the mother or the child, as the animal for the sin offering. You're going to say to me, what in the world does this have to do with anything? The answer is, is that in order for us to view the mother and the child as being able to uh, to be used as a sin offering, you have to assume, uber you have to assume that the fetus is a separate entity. At the time that you designated the mother, the fetus was a separate entity. In essence, you were designating both the mother and the fetus at, that, at the same time. You were designating two animals. You could use either one for the sin offering. If, however the fetus is viewed as a limb of the mother and then the mother gives birth, so then that falls under the category of the child of a korban chattas, the child of a sin offering, where you're not allowed to use that child. The child has to, that that cow, the child of this cow has to uh, be killed. And so that's that's what Abayi says. If you say that the fetus is not a limb of the mother, it's a separate entity, so then I understand you're designating both. It's fine. You could do that. If you're going to tell me that it's a limb of the mother, so it's a limb of the mother. You never designated two different animals. It was a limb of the mother at the time that it was a fetus. It wasn't a separate animal. So then you give birth. So then it should be lamisa azil. It should go. It should be. It should be killed. So ishtik. So he remained quiet. Redeemed me when he mentioned this version. He was quiet, and he says, "Amrlei, no, maybe it's different. Maybe it's not really based on Ober Yerachimov. Maybe Rabbi Yochanan, when he says that the next generation for the Mitzri 
We don't go based on the mother because of Uber Yerachimo, because of this principle that is viewed as a limb of the mother and it stemmed from the mother, it was a part of the mother, and now we should define generations based on the mother. No, that's not the logic. The reason is because of a statement that's found in the verse. Shiny awesome dechsev, asher yivaldu hakasub talabaleda. When it comes to a mitzri, the verse says asher yivaldu, which you give birth to, which you give birth to, meaning the focus is on the person who gives birth. The person who gives birth is the mother. So therefore, the verse is telling us it specifically uses the language with regards to giving birth because the mother gives birth. We should de- everything should depend upon uh, the status of the mother. That whether what generation the child is should depend on the generation of the mother. That the mother is a first generation Egyptian, the child should also be now based off the mother and should be a second generation Egyptian. So that that's that's what he wants to suggest. And Amalei responds back and he says that's. That's amazing. That's a, that's a great explanation. Kerkafna, you're a wise, important person. You must have been in the base measures. You must have been in the study halls when Rabbi Yochanan said this because you're right, you're onto something. And it's true. If it's, it's because the verse says that it's based off of the mother because it has to do with giving birth. But if it wasn't for that, so then we would, say, we would say that it goes based on the father. Status quo is that it should go based on the father. It happens to be that this is an exception to the rule because the verse tells us that it's an exception to the rule because it says Asher Yivaldu, having to do with giving birth. And so therefore, uh, it goes based on the mother. But elsewhere, it should go based on the father. And that's, that's what it seems like. We should go based on the father elsewhere. So the Gemara then asks, well, wait a minute. Elahad Amar Rava says as follows, also a very interesting case. Rava brings up now a very interesting case. Nachoris Mubaris Shinis Gaira. This is a case that we sort of discussed earlier, uh, way earlier, about 30 weeks ago, that if you have a case where there's a pregnant woman who is converting, a pregnant woman is converting, what is the status of that fetus who she then gives birth to? Bina. We say that her going to the mikvah works also for her son. It works for her son. And the son doesn't have to go to the mikvah. The son is now uh, Jewish. But on my ain tzarech why doesn't he have to go to the mikvah? I don't understand. The Gemara first asks, can we really say that the fetus went into the mikvah? There are certain laws with regards to the going to the mikvah. One of those laws is that there can't be any separation between you and the water. Can't be any separation. However, we know that on a biblical level, uh, the only time that the separation causes a problem is if it's on the majority of your body and you don't want it to be there. Both have to happen. It has to be the majority and you don't want it to be there. So here, it certainly is on the majority. The fetus is being covered um, and is inside of the mother, uh, but it's not. It's not that you don't want it to be there. You want the, you want the fetus to be there. We want the fetus wants to be there. It's from the fetus's perspective. The fetus wants to be there. The fetus wants to be nourished by the mother. It's the only way that it could survive. So therefore, it shouldn't be a problem. No, it still is a problem. Essentially, the Gemara asks, how could this mikvah work for the fetus? It's only true that. The uh, Rabbi Yisrael says that if there's the majority and you don't want you don't want that separation there, then it's a problem. But it's only if it's the majority. We know Rav Kahana says that if you are if you don't if not there's nothing that touches the water, absolutely nothing touches the water. You are completely separated from the water. 
it's not going to work. It won't work. So how could this fetus, how could this fetus uh, go into, uh, go have it be viewed as though they went into the mikvah? So the Gemara essentially is asking, how do we view the fetus is going to the mikvah? It must be the only way, at least at this stage, in the question stage, it must be that the reason is, is because uber yerech imo, that the fetus is, is viewed as the limb of the mother. Since the fetus is viewed as the limb of the mother, at the time that the mother goes to the mikvah in order to convert, so every limb of her is, is now converted. And so therefore the fetus is also viewed as a convert. Um, and that, sh- that itself should work. That's, that's what the assumption of the Gemara is at this stage. If that's the case, essentially the Gemara is asking, it goes against what we just said. We just said that really the only reason why we go based on the mother is not because of Ober Yerachimo. It's not because the fetus is viewed as part of the mother. It's based on the special verse, the special verse. But if it wasn't for this verse, we really wouldn't say that the fetus goes based on the mother because we wouldn't say that a fetus is viewed as a limb of the mother. It's not viewed as a limb of the mother. That's what the Gemara seems to be saying. It's not viewed as a limb of the mother. So the Gemara then asks on that. If the, if, if the fetus is not viewed as a limb of the mother, so then how would it work when the pregnant woman goes to convert? How does it also work for the fetus? How did the fetus... Go into the mikvah. If you say it's a limb of the mother, I understand. But if, if the fetus is not viewed as a limb of the mother, he was completely surrounded by the mother. So how, how would it work? That's the question of the Gemara. The Gemara answers no. Shani uber dahaini rubise. No. We could explain that really the uber, the fetus, is not viewed as part of the mother. It's not viewed as a limb of the mother. But still, it works for going to the mikvah. Why? Because this is an exception to the rule. Rubise means... This is the natural way in which it grows and it develops. Since it's the natural way in which it develops, so therefore, even though the fetus is being surrounded by the mother, it still works. Even though there's absolutely no water touching the fetus, it doesn't make a difference. Because this is the normal way, the mikvah works. Even though it's not viewed, the fetus is not viewed as a limb of the mother. So there's this whole back and forth. Is the fetus viewed as part of the limb of the mother or not? With various ramifications. Ramification number one potentially is, potentially, is with regards to an Egyptian child, do we say that we go based on the mother or the father? In the end of the day, we say we go based on the mother, but that's because of, a, of, a, of the verse, a separate drusha, a special drusha, a special way of, of learning the verse. Number two it had to do with the when you designate a cow as a sin offering, for a sin offering, and it's pregnant. So then that had ramifications whether or not the fetus is viewed as a limb of the mother or not. Ramification, potential ramification number three, we saw that it wasn't, but a potential ramification number three is that when a pregnant woman converts, so then do we say that the fetus, uh, how, how does it work? For, we know that the conclusion is, is that it does work. The mikvah also works for the fetus, but how? Is it because it's viewed as a limb of the mother or do we say because this special exception that since this is the normal way in which it develops, so therefore even though it's, this fetus is being completely surrounded by the mother and doesn't even touch the water, it would still work as if they're going to the mikvah. Now, just to point out very quickly, this is something we discussed in the past. In this case of a woman who is pregnant who converts and goes to the mikvah. So it's a fascinating case because let's say it's a boy. She gives birth to a boy. So he already went to the mikvah. Usually the order when it comes to the conversion is first to do the bris milah, first have the circumcision, then go to the mikvah. Here, potentially the order is the opposite. Here, she's, the child is going to the mikvah as a fetus. And then it has a bris milah. It could be that the order is flipped. And maybe the order flipped is fine. 
Others say the order being flipped is not fine. But over here, the conversion and the complete conversion takes place at the time that it was a fetus. And at that time, perhaps it's not even being viewed as a male because there's no option, there's no opportunity for the bris milah. And the complete conversion could take place as a fetus. Meaning, this is the, the big point, when the child is born, is the child viewed as a convert? Or is the child viewed potentially as uh, as a Jew? I mean, this would also be impacted. This, we don't have time to get into all this, but if the child is really, the fetus is really viewed as a limb of the mother, so that maybe this, once they're born, it's not really viewed as a convert. Maybe it's really viewed as born Jewish. It's something to think about and to analyze. Okay, a few more lines in the Gemara. The Gemara says that, um, a new statement of Rabbi Yochanan, but also about issues about whether we go based on the father or the mother, uh, or both, of the one who's disqualified. Rabbi Yochanan says, when it comes to different nations, a child from different nations, uh, let's say from a Mitzri, and from an Egyptian, but also from an Ammoni, different nations, we go based on the male, but if they convert, so then we go based on the one who is most disqualified between the two of them. What are we talking about? What's the case? When it comes to nations, we go based on the male. What's the case? The case is not about Mitzri and Ammoni. That's the second case, but the case is as follows. This goes back to a law that existed that when the Jewish people went into the land of Israel, the first time with Yeshua, the law was that anybody from the land of Canaan, which was a very corrupt land, anybody who was from the land of Canaan had to be killed. They had to be killed. There's a discussion as to whether it was automatic, what happens if they wanted to convert. That itself is a separate discussion. But let's just assume that whoever was from the land of Canaan had to be killed at the times of Yeshua, at the times of Joshua. What happens if you have the following person? Their mother is from the land of Canaan. Their father is not from the land of Canaan. So they, they, we, we learn that we go based on the father. We do go based on the father and we say that that person could become a non-Jewish slave. They could, stay, they could remain alive. We don't have to kill them. How do we know? Because the verse says, uh, That... Uh, from the children of Hatoshavim Hagerimimachem, from those who are from outside the land, they came. They're not. They're not. Uh, they weren't born as part of the land. They're not natural citizens, and they came to the land. They you could have for them as slaves. What happens if it's the flip side? What happens if the mother is uh, not from Canaan, but the father is from Canaan? The verse says, The mothers who gave birth in the land of Israel. So the mother usually gives birth in the land of Israel. Rashi explains she usually stays where she's from. So that means it's a case where she's from Canaan. She's from the land of Canaan. Her husband is not. We go based on the father. Because we go based on the father to say that the child is not from Canaan. He can live. The child can live. However, if it's flipped and the mother is not from Canaan, but the father is from Canaan, so then we, again, we go based on the father, and therefore the child is also from Canaan, from the land of Canaan. All that has to do with, uh, at the time of, of Yoshua, when they went into the land of Israel. The second halacha, and with this we'll conclude, 
If they convert, and we have from two different nations, we go based on the one who's most disqualified. What's the case? If the case is where it's an Egyptian male who is married to an Ammoni, who is a, a, the wife is an Ammoni, so they're not both disqualified. The Ammoni wife is allowed to marry a Jew. They both convert the Ammoni wife, we pointed out in the past, a woman from Ammon is allowed to marry a Jew. So the, there's only one person who's disqualified, and that's the Mitri, that's the Egyptian husband. So that's obvious. We go based on the Egyptian husband. That, they're not both disqualified. What's the case where they're both disqualified? Ella ba'amoni shenasa mitris. Izachar hava shadja basar amoni. Inekaiva hava shadja basar mitris. The case is where the man, the husband, the father is from Amon, and they cannot marry within Kahal Hashem, within the congregation of Hashem. The wife is a Mitzri. The wife is Egyptian. Now, if the wife is Egyptian, they're both disqualified right now. However, the wife has a certain leniency in that the third generation could then marry into the Jewish people. But if you go based on the father, so then forever they cannot marry into the Jewish people. So the Gemara says that's the case. And if they have a son, so we say he goes based on the father, and we say that all for all future generations they cannot marry into Kahal Hashem, into the congregation of Hashem. But in Hava, let's say it's a daughter. If it's a daughter, so then we then we flip it. And we say, mitris. We say that it should go based on the mother. Because if it's a daughter and from Ammon, if it goes based on the father, so then she's allowed to marry uh, a Jew. So we have to say that no. If it's a daughter, we go based on the fact that the mother is Egyptian. And since the mother is Egyptian, so therefore she's Egyptian, and therefore she cannot marry into the congregation of Hashem, but her children could. Her children could. So depending on whether it's a son or a daughter, that will impact which nation we view them from, because it's whichever one is most uh, disqualified. Okay, that completes this Gemara, and we'll continue with a new Mishnah in the next recording.